0: If you can bow with me for a word of prayer. Taking time to remember 1 John 1 and 9 where you said if we would just confess our sins you would be faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. come just thanking you for another time of worship, another time of fellowship, another time to read your scriptures, another time to just call on your name. We just thank you for protecting us from last Sunday to this Sunday, and we pray that you would help us to be positive to your word this morning and receptive so that our light will continue to shine in these times. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And good morning again. I'm definitely excited about another opportunity to, to study God's word, hear God's word, um, fellowship, and to be with uh, my family and friends. Um, it is indeed a privilege that I don't take uh, for granted. God is good. All the time God is good. Sometimes we say you know God is good but sometimes the the things that you know happen in our lives make us say that wasn't so good God <laughs> you know and, and we tend to question some things but we know that the scripture says all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose um, and so if we are called according to his purpose and we love God it's gonna work out in our favor regardless it might not look like that initially Um, But you have to just trust and have faith that things will work out. I'm amazed that just what God, I know God is omniscient, and I know that he's all-knowing, but I'm just amazed that when I look at different things that have happened in my life, I'm just amazed at how God was working things out. He was orchestrating some things, and as only God can do. Um. I got a couple of devices up here that I'm gonna try to work um, work with. I'm real old school, so I'd, I'd prefer just to have, you know, a Bible flip through. Uh, <laughs> but for convenience, I'm gonna try to work with some uh, devices this morning. Um, for homework, last week, um, I had asked that you would read Matthew chapter two, one through 12, and that's a, a very a familiar um, story that we tend to read and reflect on during Christmas time and that's uh, the the visit from the Magi. Um, But before we um, go into that, just by way of background, last week's lesson was interesting because it showed Christ being dedicated in the temple according to the law. According to the law, three things that we have to take from last week's lesson uh, just to prepare us for today. The first thing was, just what I said, everything we saw last week was according to the law, according to scripture. Uh, Every lesson that uh, we approach, we should be able to take that from the lesson. This was to fulfill scripture. Christ didn't move on his own accord. Christ didn't do what he felt like doing. Everything that Christ did, the places that he went to, the people that he spoke with, the messages that he proclaimed, were fulfillment of scripture, he moved according to God's will. That's important for us even as we move into a new year. Happy new year. <laughs> we move into a new year. Um, and I know sometimes we, we make plans. Like we have our own plans and we have our own agenda. And so it's almost like we'll sit down with our plans and, and we'll, we'll try to bring God into it, right? So we'll say, okay, I'm going to write down my plans, and then I'm going to bring it to God. And so God said, okay, let's, 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 let's see what you come up with. <laughs> and so we write down our plans, and then we say, okay, God, now show me your plans. right?" <laughs> and God says, no, that's not really how it works. We don't just come together with our plans. This is a faith walk. So sometimes you have to just trust me and follow me and let me guide you into some things instead of mapping out your life. I'm sure many of us in here have mapped out our lives before and it didn't really work out like that, right? Um, You may have pictured today to be in Hawaii or something. (laughs) right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) On a special trip overseas or somewhere like that and it it may not have worked out. Instead, you're stuck here with me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Right, it just happens. You get to see another bald-headed guy just right here in front of you. but, but God's plans are better than our plans. I'm thankful that he shut down some things in my life and allowed me to move according to his will and I got a chance to experience and see his goodness because I wouldn't have found it on my own. And that's just the truth. So the first thing we pulled from last week's lesson again was the dedication ceremony was according to the law. That was Leviticus chapter 12. It was fulfillment of scripture which it's not necessarily the same as according to the law. When I say according to the law, I mean the Mosaic law. There were just some things that were to take place in that Leviticus 12 chapter. It's supposed to be circumcised, eight day, the whole 40 days of uncleanness that I talked about last week. But Isaiah prophesied some things as well, um, and we saw that in Scripture last week. But the last point that I want to give you or remind you of from last week's lesson, it's very important that we see that Jesus identified himself with people. He identified himself with all people so that we could take from that, he's identified himself with each and every one of us in here today in some way, shape, or form. He knows you. He knows your ins and outs. That scripture that says he knows the number of hairs on our head is just, it's, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Right, he probably doesn't have to do too much with me, but, He knows us, uh, he shaped us in our, our, our mother's womb. Like, he, he's, he's a part of everything in our lives, even if we try to exclude him at times. He still knows everything. But he identified with all people. He identified with the rich, with the poor. We'll see the identification with the rich even with his burial with Joseph of Arimathea, if you, if you remember the story. He identified himself with devout Christians, those that were religious, Young people like Mary, older people like Simeon and Anna, lowly, those that were ostracized according to the public or in an obscure location like Bethlehem, male, female, it it really didn't matter. God came for everyone. And I think that's important because we think that God shows favoritism at times to certain people. That's not the case. God shows favoritism to his son, Jesus Christ. (laughs) And if we look and model our lives after Jesus Christ, then we have favor. And that's just what the scripture speaks of many times. Um, For our New Year's resolutions, uh, three things I ask that we really focus on. One is that we pray consistently. Not pray constantly, but pray consistently. Um, So I say not pray constantly because that might give the impression that, that you just stay in the corner and you're just praying all day and nothing gets done around your house, <laughs> right? Um, this is pray consistently. So even as you're cleaning or working through some of those things, God is always on your mind. Like we're always thinking about God. We need to take in God's word on a daily basis. Um, Hope sent out a note um, from me that um, I asked that if you had a cell phone or a smart device that you would download the Bible app. Um, I followed it last year. I know there's some that followed it for years. Um, It's just a way for us to continue to know the stories in the Bible. It's really for familiarity. Um, As a a teacher, I refer to a lot of Old Testament passages because I really don't think it's possible for one to teach the Bible without teaching the entire Bible. Even though I know some ministers and, and, and preachers and pastors only teach from the New Testament, That's really an error um, because we can't separate the two. Christ came to fulfill scripture. He didn't come today to fulfill today's time. He came to fulfill scripture. Time in the past, time in the future. And so we have to take it um, all in. And so the second thing was to take in God's word daily. And then the last thing was to apply God's word daily. There's no point in just taking in the Word of God and we're not doing anything with it. So you should be able to look look back over last week and say, this is what I did according to what I knew about the Word of God. This is how I tried to apply scripture based on what I knew. You should be able to see it in different situations and circumstances. And so those are the three things that I'm encouraging us to do as a church, as a church family. So last, Week's homework was just to read Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. A couple of things that you should have saw from last week's lesson is God reveals himself. If you have a desire to know God, he's obligated, and I'm going to use that word, he's obligated to reveal himself to you. You might say, how could you say obligated? That sounds like we're making God do something. No, God's word is lifted above his name. So if he says, seek me, and you'll find me, if you seek me with your whole heart, if you do your part, he's faithful. He will do his part. I'm living proof of that. He will do his part. If you have a desire to know him, he will make himself known and available to you. If you're ever in a period of your life where you feel like, I don't feel like he's speaking to me, or continue to seek, don't doubt, seek. He may be showing himself in many different ways that you may have ignored, or may not have even paid attention to. So he revealed himself to the Magi. He was born, as they spoke of in the first 12 chapters of Matthew chapter 2, Jesus was born according to scripture. Micah 5.2 is the scripture passage that says he would be born in Bethlehem. The, the story of the Magi is very interesting. There's a lot of uh, myths that go along with the story. But we have these, the Magi from the east that came to, to look for the king of the Jews. It was revealed to them that they would find the king of the Jews, the star, the whole story. They came to the place that they thought that they would find the king of the Jews and that's the, the Jewish capital, that's Jerusalem. So that's why they went there. Of course, That's where the issue um, came in because they ran across King Herod, Herod the Great. Herod the Great was a mean guy. He was a very mean and evil and bad man. But there's a couple of myths about the wise men that we we may just wanna clear up. We don't really know for sure if there was three of them. Um, We kinda get that number because there were three gifts, so we just automatically say three. It's believed that there were actually a crowd of them, maybe more. As I talked about before, they didn't necessarily come right when Jesus was born like the shepherds. Um, There was some time, there was some travel time. It may have been a year or so later, it was months to a year later when they actually came to the house, which the scripture says instead of the manger. And we don't really, they weren't really kings. They probably were specialists, familiar with stars, those type of things. And that's really important because God communicates to us in a way that we can understand. So he takes our knowledge a lot of times and that's how he reveals himself to us. If there's something you're interested in and passionate in, God will reveal himself through that. God reveals himself through nature. God reveals himself in a variety of ways. We're actually reading a portion of scripture when we look at the birth of Jesus where he's revealing himself through visions. These aren't, even though it says dreams, these aren't like, You fell asleep and your brain took some ideas and formed a dream. These are more like visions where you have a face-to-face encounter with an angel that tells you specifically what God wants you to do. So it's a little different than what we might know as a dream. But those are just some myths. However, the Magi came to worship Jesus, and they found him. And these were Gentiles. Again, this is an association with Jesus. He didn't just identify himself with the Jewish people but with Gentiles as well. And so when we look at today's lesson, this is Matthew chapter two, verses 13 through 25. So it's the end of um, the second chapter of Matthew. You can title it, The, the Flight to Egypt. Um, this is a story that sometimes when you read, you kind of read over this one as well. Because sometimes when you read the Bible, you're trying to get to the good part <laughs> and get to some action. At least sometimes that's how I would read the Bible. Um, But this is called The Flight to Egypt. So I heard a a joke um, this past week. Um, There was a Sunday school teacher that taught children, um, a a children's class, and so she said, okay, class, today we're gonna learn about the flight to Egypt. And so she said, draw a picture. She had little boys and girls. She said, okay, draw a picture of the flight to Egypt, whatever comes to your mind. And so they all um, drew pictures. And so one little boy, she came to him, she said, okay, tell me what's on your picture. And he says, okay, I have, and he, he, he listed, he had four people. She said, okay, I see Jesus, I see Mary, I see Joseph. Who is this other person? And he said, it's Pontius the pilot. And so, <laughs> I just thought that was funny when I heard it. Um, this lesson is not about Pontius the pilot, but, um, he will be later on in um, in our study. So, I, if you if you probably notice, I'm I'm more of an expository type of um, minister or preacher. What that basically just means is I, I like to teach the Word of God verse by verse, um, based on a couple of things, based on the original languages. Whether that's Hebrew, Greek, whether that's based on the context. Um, you need to have background. You need to know history in order to correctly interpret God's word. And then we interpret scripture based on scripture. So if you wanna learn about a scripture, you use other scriptures. So it's weaving and connecting scriptures. And And I say that because that is the only way to accurately interpret the word of God. My opinion doesn't matter. So I don't stand in front of you and give my opinion because that's not important to God. And you probably didn't come for that. (laughs) <laughs> um, and so I don't want to waste your time with that. It's what does God say? What does his word say? Um, and so that tends to be how I interpret scripture. Some some ministers or preachers will teach a little more topical. Last year I, I taught a little more topical as we talked about love, um, if you remember that series. Um, what I'm intending to do now is really go through the gospel of the life of Jesus Christ, because really in order for us to, to mimic and be the Christians that God is calling us to be. We need to know how Christ dealt with things, how he communicated with people, how he interacted with people, how he spoke, how he lived, how he thought, those type of things. And so we're going all the way back to the beginning of his life to actually go um, forward um, with some things. And so today's lesson is Matthew chapter 2, 13 through 25. I'm gonna read a portion of it. Uh, I'm not gonna read the whole thing in its entirety but I'm going to read a portion of it. I'm amazed at, it's almost overwhelming how much, like I'll say that you know Jesus came to fulfill scripture, and we hear that all the time, and we know that. It seems like each time that I study or prepare, there's more scriptures that I see that Christ's life demonstrated, and it's just mind-blowing. I study more with my mouth open in amazement at how God reveals himself time and time and time again. Even with familiar passages, it's like he has a way of opening it up even more. God is saying, I'm I'm too deep for you. Like you can't fully understand me. No matter how much knowledge you have of me, there's still so much more to learn. even as I'm going through the one year Bible and I think about Job, that's what God said to Job. You know a lot about me, but there's so much that you don't know. You weren't there when everything was created. You weren't there when the plans and the foundations were being laid. You know what I have revealed to you. But what I've revealed to you is not all of me. It's what you need to fulfill your plan, your destiny. So. Hopefully we kind of keep that in mind as we, as we study the scripture. So I want to read the first couple of verses um, here from Matthew chapter two, starting at verse 13. And this is from the NASB version, so your version might read slightly um, different, but it says, now when they had gone, these are the Magi, When they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother, while it was still night, and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophets, through the prophets. Out of Egypt, I call my son. This is the fleeing part of the story. So the Magi left the house and Joseph has this vision. It's like one of five dreams or visions that we see during this period of time. God is amazing in that he continued to guide the family along the way. God had a plan. And if you recognize that God has a plan, and if you decide that you're going to line up with God's plan, he will guide you and lead you along the way. He won't force himself on you, though. God is, um, God is a gentleman. Right? He's fair. He won't force himself on you. So if you choose to reject or you resist the guidance of God in his love, not neglect, in his love, he will allow that to be. He'll still be available. He'll still be around. You can't separate yourself from God, like the scripture says in Psalms 139 or so. No matter where you go, high, low, far away, he's gonna always be there. But he won't force himself on you, but if you desire to be guided by God, he will lead and guide you. And so it's clear through this passage of scripture and the passages around this scripture that Mary and Joseph had made that decision that they wanted to be led by God. In some very challenging times, <laughs> might I add. But it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, and your verse might have an exclamation point right after that. This isn't a, like a, a Braxton woke me up in the middle of the night um, the other day with a, a very gentle tap. I realized that the communication was off. He has a tendency of waking up his mom in the middle of the night, breaking her sleep, and of course, that leads to in the morning she's upset because she doesn't have a lot of sleep. He won't wake me up, he'll only wake up my wife. Um, That's probably for a lot of reasons. (laughs) But he'd only wake up my, my wife, and so usually he'll come in the room and he'll tap her because he doesn't want to wake me up <laughs> and he'll say something crazy like my humidifier went off or I need to potty or something crazy that he could do on his own. Cause he passed the restroom. <laughs> That's another story though. <laughs> so, and so I got upset the other day because she's missing, she misses a lot of sleep because of that at times. And so I said, Braxton, do not wake mommy up anymore. Like I need you to stop or it's gonna be bad. I said, Braxton, do not, he's coming in there right now, so he knows what I'm talking about. I said, do not wake mommy up anymore, all right? I said, next time, just wake me up. Don't wake up mommy, right? That's what I said. I was thinking <laughs> that I would scare him so he wouldn't wake up anybody. That's my, that was my thought. <laughs> he heard, okay, wake up daddy, right? That, that's, that's, that's what I said. <laughs> So the other, other night I was asleep and there was a gentle tap. And it's, it's weird because maybe it's a parent thing, maybe I got a little a taste of what mothers go through because I usually sleep hard, but I felt that gentle tap. And so I had the covers kind of over my head. And so I said, okay, I'm gonna pull this cover back and he's gonna be standing right there. <laughs> and so I pulled the covers down. Of course, he was standing right there. And I was looking at him like, are you serious? <laughs> And he said, what did he say? His humidifier went off. It has a light. And he said my humidifier went off. And I didn't even get mad because immediately I remember what I told him, even though that's not what I meant. <laughs> and I just said, okay, Braxton. And I just got up and he went back to bed. And of course, uh, Keisha, she woke up cause she's light sleeper. She's always mom instinct. So she's always on guard. So she woke up and She still lost some sleep, but I tried, you know. (laughs) I don't know what he's gonna do next time. (laughs) Um, But this wasn't a gentle tap by the angel, this was a get up. It reminded me of the story where the angel uh, struck Peter in the side when he was in prison and he said get up and, and get ready and he opened up the gates and all of that. That's almost what we have right here. This isn't a suggestion, this is a forceful command. Get up and go to Egypt. So he says, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. A couple of things you notice with the instructions right here. You always see the phrase child and his mother. You're going to see that again in verse 14. You'll see that again in verse 20 and verse 21. It's always the phrase child and his mother. It's never take your child or take Mary and Her child is always the child and his mother. Jesus is the story, right? Jesus is on display. He is first. It's not an accident that it's listed like that. So it says, the child and his mother. This dream was twofold. This vision was twofold. One, it told him what to do. And it also said what Herod would plan to do. God is is good, and I know we say this a lot, but... Although we're walking by faith, I've learned that it's probably the safest way to walk. It seems risky when you initially do it because you don't know what to expect because you don't really know God. But the more you know God and learn about God, faith is the safest way to go. Because I'm walking with someone that can see everything, that knows everything, So that's a safe bet right there. The riskier is not walking with God and walking alone because we can't see anything. (laughs) We don't know anything. So walking by faith is the safe way. So he says, he didn't say go to Egypt and stay there until Herod dies, although Herod will die. He says stay in Egypt until I tell you. Sometimes we just have to wait. Sometimes we just have to be still and wait for God's next move. Sometimes we'll take that first initial step and we're waiting, we don't hear anything so we think, we don't realize that God's working some things out. We don't hear anything so we say, okay, maybe he wants me to just step out there on my own now. God never wants us to step out on our own. He always wants to step with us. So he told Joseph, you wait there until I tell you. Herod is gonna search for the child to destroy him. Now that's a message right there. That is a message in itself. But Herod was just that kind of guy. Herod was a, a paranoid leader. He was always fearful, he was afraid that someone could come and take his authority. This led, if you, if you know a little history about Herod, this led to him killing one of his wives, three of his sons, family members, anybody that he felt was gonna take over, he, he got rid of them. And so this is a situation just like that This is prophecy, which we'll see here. It says, so Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. So woke him up out of his sleep probably and said, come on, let's go. We have to go. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. That's Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. It says exactly that. Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. There are some passages here that I just want to quickly refer to that's important to understanding the whole of the story. So right now we have Jesus... Right now we have the angel speaking to Joseph, telling him to take the child and his mother to Egypt. We have to remember what Egypt... Represented in the Old Testament. It's not an accident that he tells them to go to Egypt. Now, God is, God is good in that he goes ahead of us. We see this a couple of times in this passage. First, it's not an accident that these three, let me say three, but these wise men came to Jesus and delivered these gifts. These were very expensive gifts. These were very poor people that have received expensive gifts to go on a trip. They wouldn't have been able to make this trip with the resources that they had. God provided. I never really even looked at the story like that. Sometimes I just looked at it as, okay, they brought it to worship Jesus. That's true. But God also allowed them to receive these riches to go on a trip because of their situation. They didn't have much. They didn't really have anything, but they had some riches now where they can go on their journey. If we go all the way back, which I do want to read a portion of an Old Testament scripture. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 46, we see the beginning of what is to come with the children of Israel. I want to read this portion um, for you just to set up some uh, background about what's going on. So remember the story, um, Jacob, the sons, Joseph and Egypt under Pharaoh. Herod's kind of like that New Testament Pharaoh. When you think about Herod, he's like that New Testament Pharaoh. There's a lot of parallels between the two. But Genesis chapter 46 said, so Israel set out with all that they had, and this is Israel and it's Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, so it says, so Israel set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices to God of his father Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob, and he said, here I am. He said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you a great nation there. I will go with you to Egypt and I will also surely bring you up again and Joseph will close your eyes and so, Israel, Jacob took his entire family about 70 at the time and brought them into Egypt. God told them to go into Egypt and God led them out of Egypt. So we have Jesus. This was almost a, when the Jews saw Jesus being born in a certain place, They there was a lot that they could have recalled about scripture. We have God leading Jesus into Egypt and God will lead Jesus out of Egypt. But Egypt was a representation of something. When you read the story about the, the Israelites in Egypt, it represented just what we know about, it, and that's bondage and slavery. Hardship, bondage, and slavery. I said earlier that Jesus identified himself with all people. He had to go into Egypt. He had to go into Egypt because he had to identify himself with our slavery and bondage in order to deliver us from it. He couldn't deliver us from our bondage or slavery unless he took it on himself. So when it said he took on flesh and bore our sin, this is what we're talking about today. He had to go into Egypt. This was not an accident. God guided him there to represent something God led him out when it was that a point in time. But this was a warning to the Jewish people of that day. In order for them to be delivered, it had to come by way of God's provisions, what God provided. And in this time that we're reading, he provided his son, Jesus Christ, as the only way for deliverance. Remember last lesson, we talked about them waiting for the deliverance or the redemption. It was through Jesus Christ. It was through Jesus Christ. So when we go back to... Our original passage here, we'll see that this was prophecy that was being fulfilled here. So going back to our scripture, it says, in verse 16, it says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, remember the Magi was supposed to bring the word back to him, of the exact time and location. He initially asked for the exact time. This led to him deciding to slaughter all babies two and under. He wanted the exact time. And he also asked him to bring back word at the exact location so he can go and worship him. Remember that part of the story. He had a plan to get rid of Jesus all along. So it says, when he realized that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and slew and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Many believe that Herod slaughtered hundreds, thousands of uh, little baby boys, but if you, research really shows that it probably wasn't that many, that's more of an exaggeration. Bethlehem was very small and the population was very small then, so it probably was somewhere around 20 (laughs) male boys. That doesn't diminish the, the heinous attitude of Herod, but some things may have been just exaggerated over time. Um, Nevertheless, he felt that he'd wipe out anybody that would pose a threat to his rulership. This was also to fulfill scripture. Verse 17 says, then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. It says, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. That's that's Jeremiah 31, 15. Jeremiah the prophet um, spoke of, of course you know Rachel, um, Jacob, so we know the relation there, but where it says, Rachel, Rama was an actual a real place, that's, that's first. When it says Rachel weeping for her children, these would be the, the, the Jews, the Israelites. Um, and it really spoke of this happened right before they were in captivity in Babylon. So when you go to fast forward to Jeremiah, the 40th chapter, we actually see the scripture that speaks of what this passage prophesied. So Jeremiah chapter 40 says that that location, Rama which is where some captives were taken um, and they were taken off into exile by King Nebuchadnezzar 586 BC and the story goes on um, from there. So that foreshadowed this time because that spoke of a time when the, the children of Israel would be away from home in exile and she'd be weeping and there would be no more. Fast forward we have these Killings of these baby boys in Bethlehem and they are no more. And so it really just foreshadowed what we're reading about right now in this declaration of Herod to kill all of these um, Jewish baby boys in and around Bethlehem. Verse 19 says, but when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, Take the child and his mother and go into the land of Israel. For those that sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. So he came into the region of Israel. Ideally, he would have went to Judea. But verse 22 says, But when he heard that Archelaus, her son, When Herod died, his territory was split into three parts. Archelaus didn't last long. Um, We really hear more about Antipas in the Gospels. Archelaus only lasted about 10 years, and the Romans got rid of him because he made a lot of bad choices. Um, He had some of the same evils of his dad, but he didn't have the same administration skills. (laughs) Um, And so eventually, the Romans got rid of him and put in what was called prefects. This is where we hear the Pilate, Pontius. <laughs> this is where Pontius Pilate comes in because he was placed there in Judea. Um, but it says, but when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, more guidance by God. All the way, dream, 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 dream. This dream is symbolic, this is the Holy Spirit just guiding us along the way with our decision. So it says that he was warned in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came to live in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. We see this, this was to fulfill, this was to fulfill, this was to fulfill, this is a running theme in the gospel with the life of Jesus Christ. But one thing I do want to point. As I come to a close of this passage. It says. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. With an S. The other ones through the prophet. And they gave the prophet. Whether it was Jeremiah. Isaiah. And others. Because in the Old Testament. You don't see this phrase. You don't see. He shall be called a Nazarene. It's nowhere in Old Testament scripture. So what is Matthew really talking about. What Matthew is speaking of is a summation. Because many prophets said that Jesus would be despised. And when you thought of Nazareth, it was a place of being despised. They looked down on Nazareth. Nazareth was more obscure than Bethlehem. (laughs) That's why Nathaniel said, how can any good thing come from Nazareth? Like, what is Nazareth? <laughs> like, so Matthew is saying that he would be despised. And so we see that in Psalms, the 22nd chapter, where it said that he was despised. We see that in Isaiah 53 and 3, the famous um, crucifixion passage that speaks of him being despised, rejected. And so Jesus would be rejected. Jesus is still despised and rejected today. People still despise and reject the word of God. We don't want to hear about God. We don't want to read the Bible. We don't want to hear scriptures. We don't want to hear all of that stuff, especially when we're going through our situations and circumstances. Sometimes you feel like, I don't want to hear that right now. Tell me something that will deal with my situation right now. We don't understand that that's what the Bible does. we want to hear some more worldly advice at times so at times we despise and reject Jesus in the form of his word but i i hope and pray this year that we are focused more a little on the word that we are taking in scriptures more that we are making more of a conscious effort to apply some of those things that we have been taught. I'm going to ask that um, for um, this week uh, for homework that you would um, read through um, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus 12 through like Exodus 15 speaks of the Passover. The the later passages that um, I teach from will focus in on the Passover time, some things that happened around it, some of uh, John the Baptist teaching, so on and so forth. We're really looking at in the in this month of January, Jesus' childhood. So every lesson will be centered around Jesus' childhood. The next um, three weeks will be more so centered around Jesus, the story with Jesus in the temple um, when he was 12 years old. Um, Because outside of um, that passage, we don't have much of the childhood of Jesus. But we have enough to make a, a good assumption about how he lived as a child. Um, And we'll look at um, those over these next couple of weeks. Um, If you could bow with me for a word of prayer as I close. Oh, Heavenly Father, we come just thanking you. Thanking you for um, this time of of fellowship and just reading your word and reflecting on some of those things that you have showed us in scripture and your goodness uh, that you've extended to us this day. We just thank you for allowing us to make it here safely, protecting us from last Sunday to this Sunday, bringing us into a new year. We ask that you would guide us um, through this year, that we wouldn't plan apart from you, but that you would lead us in the right direction, that we would just trust that you know what's best for us. We know that the scripture says that a a good man's plans are ordered by the Lord. A good man's steps are ordered by the Lord and we pray that we would continue to communicate with you so that we would walk in the right direction. We pray that we would encourage one another to study and grow as well and that we would be there for other believers who may be struggling with different things. We thank you for everything that you've given to us through your son Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you once again for this time of prayer. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.